Want to be more confident when having business conversations? Join the Small Talk Made Simple class. In this free email course, you'll learn how to talk about yourself and express yourself with confidence and clarity. Sign up now at thecmethod.com. You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, the show that helps you communicate with confidence so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by all the right people. To subscribe to the show, go to thecmethod.com. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 130 of Stand Out Get Noticed. Christina with you here. If you are a brand new listener, welcome, welcome. If you're feeling a little overwhelmed by the number of episodes, because we are up to 130 now, then you may like to check out some of my best of episodes, because they give you a taste of the best episodes that I've done all around a similar topic. And if you go to the blog post page, there's also a list of some of my more popular podcast episodes around that topic too. So I'm going to give you three links. So if you want to write these down, go ahead. You can go to thecmethod.com slash confidence. So those are podcasts all around building up your confidence with speaking. There's thecmethod.com slash networking, which as it sounds like, it's all about networking, talking about yourself, explaining what you do, having those great conversations. And finally, thecmethod.com slash public speaking gives you all the best or all of my best public speaking, public speaking resources too. So that's thecmethod.com slash confidence, thecmethod.com slash networking and thecmethod.com slash public speaking. Now, if you're a regular listener, welcome back and thank you so much for joining me every single week. I really, really appreciate you. The podcast continues to grow, which I'm so excited about. We're at 24,000 downloads a month now, which is amazing. So thank you very much for your support. Alrighty, let's get into this week's episode. Firstly, let me ask you this. Have you ever been to a meeting where by the end you think to yourself, I'm never going to get that hour back? Or maybe you've run meetings where you feel stressed and unprepared going in. It ran over time, people rambled on and you lost focus and you struggled to get the outcome that you wanted. Badly run meetings are a waste, an absolute waste of everyone's time. Now, there are a couple of things you can do about this. Firstly, get out of as many meetings as you can. There's actually a short TEDx talk on this, which is quite funny about how to avoid meetings. I'll link it up in the show notes for you to watch. It's a very short TEDx talk, um, thecmethod.com slash meetings. That is where the show notes will be for this episode. So that's the first thing you can do, go to less meetings. And second, if you're running the meetings, make sure that you plan for them so they can be as effective and productive as possible. And that's what today's episode is all about. And joining me on the show is engagement skills expert, John Williams of JHW Corporate Training. JHW specializes in helping businesses and organizations increase productivity of their teams through building engagement. In John's words, better relationships with our colleagues, clients, and stakeholders are not just nice to have, they really add dollars to the bottom line. So there's a huge financial benefit as well to increasing your engagement. Now, full disclaimer, you may have heard me mention this before. John and I have actually recorded a series of podcasts together on the topic of engagement skills for his company, JHW. So if you get value from this conversation, then definitely check out his show. It's called Engagement Matters, and you can find it at jhw.com.au. I'll also link it up in the show notes for this podcast at thecmethod.com slash meetings. 
Now, in this episode, John and I discuss why it's important to plan your meetings and how to do it and tips for making sure that you get the outcomes that you want. And this can apply to team meetings, job interviews, performance reviews, any sort of meeting you have where a clear result is important. Now, I never used to plan my meetings. I would just go in there and wing it, you know, take a notepad and pan and and, and go. But after I learned this from John, I have felt that it's helped me a lot, even just with feeling organized and prepared for any difficult questions that may come up. It really gives you that extra boost of confidence and helps lower your stress going into these important meetings as well. You'll also hear us talk about the Call Plan app, which I'll link to in the show notes as well. We'll discuss that in the episode. Okay, are you ready? Let's move on and meet the lovely Mr. John Williams. John Williams, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's a pleasure. (laughs) I'm excited. This is a little bit different because normally I'm interviewing you for your podcast. Now you're interviewing me for yours. (laughs) I am. So for those of you who haven't met John yet, if you haven't listened to the podcast, I have been helping John, well, I am currently helping him run his podcast, Engagement Matters, and that's all about building engagement with stakeholders. John, can you tell me a little bit about, well, tell the listeners a little bit about why you started this podcast? Uh, There was two main audiences that I was aiming at. The first audience is people that have already been on our training courses, our, our three-day workshops around engagement. Um, as a refresher, uh, six months, 12 months, two years on, um, some of these techniques, which they found very valuable on the workshop, they start to get a little bit rusty. So it seemed to me a good idea to give them something where when they're commuting, when they're on the train, on their bike, mm. in the car, They can listen to the podcasts and just get a quick refresher on some of the good techniques and hopefully bring it back to front and minding and help improve their practice. And who are the people that come to your workshops? Um, Generally uh, emerging and accomplished professionals, um, people that have a good technical skill and need to get that technical skill rolled out to their stakeholders, their client base. Mm. So... It's one thing to have good technical skills. Another criteria for success is how you relate to the people that you're providing that technical advice to. Mm. Um, Most of us learn to engage with people and relate to people when we started to walk and talk around the age of four or five, six years old, mostly by trial and error. And a lot of us haven't had much training in that relationship building since yet is probably one of the most valuable skills that in business we're looking for. And the higher we go in the career, the more important those skills become. So tell me about the benefits, because I know for you, productivity is a massive selling point for your, for your training. Yeah, there's a whole lot of benefits about the um, environment, the cooperation, the morale that it builds, uh, and the 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 productivity that comes from engaging well with your stakeholders. Mm. The opposite, of course, is not doing that well and fighting battles day in, day out, knowing I've got the right answer for these people, but why won't these turkeys listen to it? (laughs) Uh, And that's usually because something's fallen down in the engagement 
and it becomes that that becomes business as usual to us and we spend a lot of our lives trying to battle through things rather than feeling that cooperation that will make mm. the thing you know just sell through now it's fair to say that all of us um, are successful with certain people in that cooperation we tend to relate well to people with similar personality traits to ourselves so we've all got um some success in there and we all struggle with um personalities that are, are somewhat different to what we were expecting uh, one of the things that we spend a lot of time on the workshop helping people with is adjusting to different personalities first of all I identifying them and then working out how i might modify my normal behavior to give myself a better chance with all of mm. my stakeholders rather than the 20% that I naturally gel with. I've been on your workshop and I found that aspect of it, understanding different personality styles, I found that so interesting and fascinating and it cleared up a lot of mysteries for me Good. about why Good. can't I just, why don't I get, why don't they get me? Like, why is it so hard <laughs> to get this person to do what yeah. I'm asking? Yeah. Oh, and then I found out, oh, it's because they're a completely different personality type to me. And I actually got um, your colleague, who's the lead trainer at JHW, Ralph Mule Morris. I got him on the show a while ago, it was probably a year ago or so. And we talked about the personality compass and how you teach that yeah. in your workshops. And that was fascinating. So if you're listening to this, I'd highly recommend you go check that episode out with Ralph Mule Morris. But the topic of today's podcast is not about personality styles, although it does touch on that. But I wanted to get you on to talk about something that you feel really strongly about, and that is planning meetings effectively. Yep. And you have even gone to the lengths of creating an app that allows people to effectively plan their meetings. So right. to kick us off, why is this topic so of such relevance to you or of so important to you? Okay. Most of us white collar business people um, spend a lot of their, their time in meetings. And it'd be fair to say that a lot of people might ask, well, why do I need to, to bother with all this? I've been doing meetings for a long mm. time. Um, why do I need to prepare? Well, in my experience, a well-prepared meeting is worth half a dozen poorly prepared meetings. And uh, if you're looking for outcomes, then every meeting is an opportunity to improve our outcomes. Whether I'm looking at developing my career, whether I'm looking at pushing an initiative forward, whether I'm looking at um, helping a, a sales campaign for my company or perhaps uh, influencing the uh, delivery of a, a, a product, whether I'm trying to get milestones signed off, whether I'm coaching an individual and I want them to take my advice the right way, all of these are opportunities to really nail them and achieve great outcomes or to stuff it up. <laughs> and the problem is mm. often when we stuff it up, we're not immediately aware that we've underachieved. We may have got away with it. We may have survived the meeting. You know, we're not at school anymore. We don't get the cane for, no. you know, uh, in fact, I don't think even people at school get the cane anymore. No. But, uh, um, but we don't get punished. Uh, overtly for not performing well in a meeting. And so we can be quite oblivious to the fact that we did desperately underachieve on what we could have achieved from that meeting. And I'm sure there's plenty of people listening going, oh, there are so many meetings that I do not get any value out of. Or I've, I've had it before. I walk out of a meeting yeah. and go, I'm never going to get that hour back yes. or those two hours back. 
Well, my question to you and anybody else that's been in that situation, for instance, is what were your objectives for that meeting going in? Now, Mm. when we're saying I'm never going to get that hour back and you ask somebody, well, what were your objectives from that meeting? Often their answer is, well, I didn't have any. I was just invited. So I turned up. Mm. Well, you got what you paid for then, didn't you? (laughs) You didn't have any expectations going in and you certainly didn't get any coming out. But whose fault is that? If you really had no value to get out of that meeting, then why did you go? If you did have some value to get out of that meeting, what preparation did you do to make sure Mm. you exploited that opportunity? So one way or the other, the person that comes out of the meeting saying, I'm never going to get that hour back. They're as much to blame as anybody else in that meeting. Now we're starting to take some personal accountability for our ah, time. I like that. Instead of just showing up, sitting there, playing on your phone and then leaving. And saying that was a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you have a a very clear structure of how you plan your meetings. Yeah. Can you've got a few components here. Can you take us through them? Yep. First of so first of all you've got object objectives. Yes. Objectives. Yep. Which is what you've just been talking about. Yeah. One of the things that we're really big on is an outcome focus. Sure. Yeah. I don't care how hard you're working. If you're not creating outcomes, you're not much value to me. Okay. And the same with meetings. You might be attending dozens of meetings a day. If you're not creating great outcomes from them, then why are you bothering? For each meeting, let's think specifically through what I want to achieve from this meeting. Now, often there's one obvious objective for the meeting. Uh, Sometimes there's multiple objectives. What I usually find is when I think through what objectives I want, I create a whole lot of new opportunities to get value from this meeting that I wouldn't have thought of had I just walked up. Mm. So taking five minutes to think, what's the maximum value I could get out of this meeting? Let's write down the objectives and make sure I achieve that's got to be the starting point. In fact, anytime we embark on anything and we haven't thought through the objectives, uh, we must have rocks in our head. Mm. So why would a meeting be any different to that? Absolutely. So you might have an objective like I want. we need to decide on a date for this or we need to get sign-off for this particular thing. What is, are there any other more generic outcomes that you could have? I, I have personally to yeah. what I'd call mandatory objectives. Uh, one of them is to build the level of engagement with the stakeholders that I'm meeting. Okay. Um, I don't think you can ever have too much engagement. The more engagement we build with the people around us, the more cooperation we're going to get. And most of us are so focused on the business outcomes that we're trying to create mm. that we don't think about the people interactions. So for me, uh, building a level of trust, building rapport, uh, getting across a sense of value, those, mm. to me, that that all encompasses engagement. At every appointment I have, I want to leave the meeting having improved the engagement that I enjoy with that stakeholder rather than going backwards. That's a very good point. The second thing, uh, the second mandatory objective yeah. is um, agree the plan of action. To the extent that after we've done our objectives, the next thing that I do in preparation is uh, write out the plan of action for the ideal meeting. Haven't had the meeting yet, but this is the 
ideal plan of action that I want to agree with the other participants of the meeting at the end of the meeting. I know exactly what I'm aiming for. I will know I've succeeded if I achieve A, B, C, D. So I'm almost rehearsing the conclusion of the meeting before I've even held it. It's like visualizing your goals. Exactly. And once you've got it down on paper, that'll then help you to formulate all your ideas and how you'll actually run that meeting in order to get there. Otherwise, you might end up just going off on tangents and being really unfocused. So this is making the meeting extremely outcome focused. Mm. That's what I'm here for. As opposed to task focused. Somebody invited me, so I turned up. Sure. Okay. Uh, Our business isn't about tasks. Tasks are only there in as much as they contribute to outcomes. So tasks for their own sake, waste of time. Um, I want to achieve outcomes. Mm, absolutely. So that's the objections and the plan of action. So here's, Sorry, the objectives. Did I say objections again? I get those mixed up. Um, the next thing is the opening statement. Yes. And I, I loved when I, I first learned this. I thought this was fantastic because it makes you start thinking about your meetings as a proper presentation, not just a casual get together or, Hey, we're having a few beers. It makes it official. Yeah. Um, we have, um, a principle that, uh, is, is we're not Robinson Crusoe here. So it's not uh, unique to us, but we believe that, you know, if you can start on a high note and finish on a high note, that's the bit that really matters. If there's going to be a less exciting part of the concert or part of the meeting, part of the movie if it's buried in the middle Mm. uh, you get forgiveness if you start off in a really dull way you maybe lose them for life so what's an example of a really bad opening statement yeah there was uh, a meeting i attended not so long ago um one of my partners so that's i was working in a partnership i wasn't a partner level but one of my senior partners uh, asked me to help uh, with a workshop and around the time uh, that uh, the meeting was supposed to start, he uh, sidled up to the desk at the front. There were maybe 10 or 15 people milling around the room. And he said, uh, uh, looks like everybody's here now. Um, I suppose we ought to get started. Mm. And in terms of an inspiring opening statement to get everybody up and going, it wasn't. People already thinking about lunch. <sighs> well, you know, um, it's hardly, you know, going to, inspire a great deal of enthusiasm so uh, look I, I like to um, think through what am I trying to achieve I've already thought through my objectives I know what I'm trying to achieve at this meeting how can I start the meeting off in a crisp and mm. confident way earn their confidence and get off to a good start um, you only get one chance to set a good first impression so for a meeting with a new potential client or a new stakeholder this is the one chance we get to set a good first impression. So mm. I think it's worth uh, thinking it through. It, what would you say to, to start a great meet, to, you know, as a great start? Um, now you've put me on the spot, I'd usually prepare it. <laughs> <laughs> but for one that I haven't prepared, it would be along the lines of uh, uh, summarising how we've got to where we are and outlining where we need to get, you know, where I'd like to, to, to get to. Uh, making sure I understand what they want to achieve from the meeting and uh, then asking an open question at the end of the, the opening statement to get them involved in the meeting and make them feel um, mm. part of the meeting. So you'd say something like, hi, everyone, we're all here today because of X, Y, Z. And the goal that we're hoping to accomplish here is X, Y, Z. 
who here, blah, blah, blah. And so yep. you, you actually start with something really clear about why we're all there in the first place. Yeah. Because people will be wanting to know, even though they know why, because they got the invite, it's nice to remind everyone. Exactly, yeah. Uh, incidentally, uh, I sometimes uh, send my meeting plans out to the people that I'm meeting. Yep. And um, my objectives are open and transparent. They're already on the at the top of a piece of paper so that they can see that. But uh, no harm at all in... in um, in confirming them at the the, the verb verbally mm. at the start of the meeting, making sure everybody's uh, comfortable with where we're the direction we're heading in. One one thing that I've seen before that I consider a weak start to a meeting is when someone starts talking while everyone else is still chatting, and they say hi everyone, thanks for coming while everyone is still chatting, and it doesn't position them with much authority because it's yeah. like they're trying to talk over everyone. Yeah. So what's your suggestion for getting everyone's attention in that first instance so that they're all looking at you and then you can give your, your punchy open punchy opening? Well, um, it's not always my meeting. Yeah. If I'm chairing the meeting or if I've called the meeting, then I've got the right to do that. Um, sometimes other people have called the meeting and I'm attending their meeting. That doesn't prevent me from having my own objectives. But in many circumstances, it might be frowned upon if I then took control of the meeting. Oh, but if you're so, running a meeting. But if I'm running yeah. a meeting and we've got everybody, uh, I'd, I'd be quite um, forthright about it. You, you said the meeting was going to start at nine o'clock. It is now nine o'clock. So are we ready to get started? Um, from my point of view, when the meeting starts at nine o'clock, I don't mean you're just walking in through the room at nine o'clock. Mm. I mean, you're in the room. You've got your pen handy if you're using a pen and note paper. You've got yourself a coffee if that's what you wanted. At nine o'clock coming into the room and then saying, give me five minutes, I just want to grab a coffee and some biscuits. You know, that's not mm. a meeting starting at nine o'clock. So um, I, I'm quite forthright about that. And so if it's my meeting, okay, we said it's nine o'clock start, so let's get started. And then you're educating the people. You're educating people that I get started at nine. So yep. it means that they'll rock up on time next time. Well, hopefully, as long as they don't mind missing a good chunk of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also, if you st if you wait for the latecomers, you're actually rewarding them for being late and punishing the people who came on time. Exactly. So yeah. the people who came on time are like, well, you didn't start on time, so I'll just come in late later. Yeah. And the people come in late just say, well, Get later. <laughs> it's fine. I'll just come in later because they won't start until I'm there anyway. Okay, moving on. Um, people, that's the next the next thing that you plan for. Yeah. Um, and we briefly talked about personality yes. styles in, in, in the intro before we, we focused on meetings. But uh, the people that we've got at the meeting um, uh, are, is an obvious consideration in our preparation. Um, some people are very detailed. Mm. Other people are more big picture. Some people are quite extrovert. Others are introvert. Some uh, might be very direct. Others more subtle. Some people uh, might have a very technical, um, analytical approach. Some people are much more motivated by relationships. Um, I won't bore you with it now, but we have a model that encompasses that. And I'm sure most of our listeners have, have uh, experienced different models mm. that do that. I think it's really important to understand the personality traits where possible of the people in the room. If we already know them, then um, adjusting to their particularly particular personality st style can be the difference between winning their support and losing them completely. So it's at least worth uh, while yes. trying to understand what our audience is like and how to address them. Now, often 
we use that area, the personality compass, as we call it. When we're meeting with new people, it's there to be in the back of our mind by the end of this meeting. If nothing else, I want to understand the personality traits of the person I'm talking to. So we're looking for clues during the meeting that would help us work out how to have a better meeting with them next time and to adjust in flight to them. So that whole thing about the personality of the people we're meeting, um, that's another part of the preparation that we think of um, Mm. uh, uh, for preparing for a good meeting. Absolutely. And I think to put it into context of a workplace, if you're meeting with, say, marketing people who are often very high high creative idea people that uh, the way that you present that meeting is going to be very different to how you run a meeting for accounts or finance you know exactly because they're they're very different some of people are very analytical and others are very much big idea and they'd rather just go to the pub to have a beer with you for the meeting instead sure so it's very important to take that all into consideration just a note of caution there though yes um we often think of, say, librarians or engineers or um, accountants being very analytical and technically minded. And maybe we think of salespeople or PR people as very extrovert people. And often that is the case. But let's not typecast people based on their role. There are some very creative engineers around. There's some very outgoing accountants around. There's some very introverted PR people or salespeople. So to assume based on a role Mm. that they're going to be of X personality, the one goes with the other, can be dangerous. Mm. Yep. So we still have to analyze people on a case-by-case basis. Okay, the next thing that you you show people how to do is how to ask great questions or how to pick the questions to ask. Yeah, yeah. To me, my most valuable asset is questions. Um, questions will help me build a relationship with people. Mm. Questions help me uncover the information I'm looking for from people so that I can put my best foot forward with a solution. Uh, Questions uh, help control the flow of the meeting. Questions help me gain the commitments I'm looking for from them. All these things come out of questions and there's no substitute for them. But we've got to ask the right questions at the right time in the right format. Mm. Now, I'm certain most of your listeners understand the difference between open and closed questions. I'm sure they can Google it if they don't. If I'm trying to get information from you, get you to describe your um, work environment, for instance, or the challenges that you're facing, I am wasting my time if I ask closed questions because all you can do is answer yes or no, and I'm not going to find out much. So... We need to couch our questions well. Mm. Uh, Information-seeking questions need to be open questions. Who, what, where, when, how, why. Other times I'm looking for commitment. So are you going to sign off on the contract? Are we going to have another appointment in three weeks' time? That needs to be a closed question. I'm looking for a yes-no answer. I'm actually looking for a yes answer. But if I get no, at least I know where I stand. And my next challenge is turning no into yes. No. Mm. Or else if you don't get any answer, then it's all up in the air and you still don't know which is the worst place to be. Open questions don't get you that commitment. So thinking through the questions we need to ask and how to ask them um, makes us much more accomplished and much um, mm. more likely to attain our objectives in meetings. So then I suppose knowing what your objectives are 
is going to then help you formulate those questions to ask. Exactly. Yep. What, what questions do I need to ask to, to, to achieve the objectives? Yep. But also thinking, as I say, about the structure of the question. Does this need to be an open or closed yes. question? Yes. Now, let's move on to the word that I keep getting confused with, objectives, which is objections. Yes. So why do we need – what's with objections? Is it Do we prepare for them? Yep. Um, objections are great. Uh, when I refer to objections, what I mean is any pushback on uh, that's going to um, divert me from the direction I'm trying to take. Um, so if one of my objectives is to um, get you to commit to uh, a $100 spend – an objection would be something that you throw in my way to say, uh, I'm doubtful, you know, $100 is too expensive, perhaps, mm. or um, I think I prefer a red one rather than a blue one, or whatever it might be. I can often, and listeners, you'll often be able to anticipate the type of objections, the type of roadblocks that our meeting participants can throw in our way. Yeah, if I'm a manager and I'm trying to get buy into a new, um, way of working, a new system to implement or something like that, I can anticipate some of the objections that our staff might have. Like, for example, that won't work. Yeah. We don't have time. Yeah. We don't have resources. I don't start till, I don't work Wednesdays. Uh, yeah, know, or, sure. Or, yeah. Um, so if we can anticipate those objections, we can come up with a counter to that objection. Sure. That allows us still to proceed forward. So, Objections are good. If people aren't raising objections about the propositions that we're making, then they're not really interested in doing anything. Mm. So in the jargon, if you like, an objection is a buying signal. If you start asking me about price, then I know that you're starting to think seriously about buying. If you start pushing back on some of the features of what I'm offering you, for instance... Or, or, or asking more questions about it, get, uh, seeking more detail, then that's a level of interest that you wouldn't be showing if you weren't yes. intending to come down this track. So they're buying signals. The key thing is I've now got to handle those objectives, uh, objections. You got me at it. <laughs> I've now got to ans answer those objections in a professional way. Sure. That puts your mind at rest and allows us to move forward. So in planning for my meetings, I anticipate the sorts of objections that can come up. Some of them are around costs, some of them are around functionality, some of them are around personalities or, or, mm. or, or the people involved. Um, but I like to think of all the things that might defeat me from achieving my objectives. Once I've thought of all those objections, I now have as long as I need to come up with the best answer to those objections that still means I'm on track for my objectives and A, costs me the minimum, but also B, uh, preserves my integrity with the, the, the other people in the meeting. Mm. And it also means that you're less likely to be, to be put on the spot exactly. in that meeting. Uh, look, the number of people I've shared this plan with, this meeting plan with, and they've come back to me and said, yeah, I've gone into this meeting feeling so much more confident Yeah, as a result of doing this preparation. Often I'll prepare for five, six, seven objections and only one of them comes up. But I'm feeling more confident mm. all the way through the meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Do questions count as objections? Can do. Uh, some of their questions, um, I mean, questions, objections, there's a, a big gray area. In it. Uh, yeah. Both of them are, are seeking additional information. Sure. And that's how we ought to see them. Not, uh, oh, they're being negative. Oh, they don't like me. Oh, they're, you know. If, when we get into that mindset, we become defensive. The fact is, we're mutually trying to reach some destination. There's questions that you've got in your mind. Until I can resolve them to your satisfaction, we're not going to meet at that destination. Mm. So um, the sooner I get them out and understand them, the sooner we can get to where we're trying to achieve. Yep. So it's helping us get close to that, that resolution. That goal. That's great. Okay. And the final thing uh, I've got written here is structure. Right. Um, many people, when you talk about planning for a meeting, the first thing they want to do is bang down the agenda. Let's have an introduction, then we'll have this bit and then that bit, and then we'll talk some Why? Mm. What are we trying to achieve? We haven't even talked about what we're trying to achieve from this meeting yet. It's task-based yeah. again. Yeah. Let's go through these steps because that's how we always structure our meetings. Okay. <laughs> to me... The structure comes last. Once we've worked out what we're trying to achieve and uh, all those other things that we've discussed, now we can say, what's a sensible structure for, for managing this discussion? How much time should we spend on each of those topics? And at that point, you can write down the structure, maybe publish it in the mm. form of an agenda if you feel that's necessary. Some meetings go much better with an agenda. Not all meetings necessarily have to have an agenda. But it's at that point, once you've thought through all those other things that you can now be in a position to define sure. the structure for the meeting. And of course, part of our opening or introduction might be gaining agreement of the other meeting participants to that structure and asking if they want to contribute. Sure. Okay. So let's just recap over all those components. So first we had objectives. We have a plan of action. We have the opening statement. We have the people. So who's going to be there? Questions to ask objections that might come up from other people in the meeting and then if required create that structure or that agenda yep so how long do you actually spend on creating this meeting plan because i'm sure a lot of people are thinking oh my god oh my god i am already pressed for time i have to do more work uh for a number of meetings the more routine meetings that we uh, have in our life uh five sometimes ten minutes is more than adequate you don't have to do all of this for every meeting sure uh, i think objectives are always worth thinking through sometimes we know the people well enough and we get on well with them you know maybe maybe we can drop that sometimes we know them well enough that we don't need to work to stress too much on the opening statement objections i would often think about so you can cherry pick the bits that matter to you um, for, for each meeting. But for most routine meetings, I reckon five or 10 minutes is really going to knock it over. And particularly when we have a lot of meetings that aren't too dissimilar, we, we, we can build templates or a model in our mind. Mm, sure. But there's some meetings that you just have to nail. You know, our annual appraisal might be one of them, actually. Yeah. If you want a promotion, if you want to keep your job. Um, but other really important meetings, I've been working on this sales campaign for the last six months and now it's the final presentation. That's one that you've got to nail. Yes. You know, we've been working on this milestone in the project for the last four months and we've got 80 people on this project and now we've got the steering committee meeting to get it signed off. The next one's not for two months. So I really need to nail this. 
Okay. For those type of meetings, I've spent two or three hours going through in great detail every mm. one of those topics and trying to come up with every scenario that could knock me over and make sure I've got an answer for it. And that's two or three hours really well invested because some of these things can be worth hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to get it right. Yes. And you don't get a second chance. So, um, yeah, the the core plan is deliberately non-prescriptive so that you can use the elements that you want in as great or as little detail as you want. But it is uh, set up so that those really serious meetings, mm. you can really do the preparation to give yourself the best chance of nailing it. And if you run lots and lots of meetings, then it may very well be worth downloading the core plan app that um, that John has created and is available. It's, it's both on iTunes and is it on Android, Android as yes, well? Both Android and, and iTunes. There's uh, two versions of it. Uh, one for tablets and one for phones. smartphones. Yep. Uh, buy one and you, the other one comes free, but you've got to download it. Um, there's a number of templates already in there, for instance, for a job interview, for um, an appraisal, mm -hmm. for meeting with new stakeholders for the first time. There's about 10, 10 templates already in there that you might like to uh, play around with and modify for your own purposes and provide you with some um, uh, upfront thoughts on how to tackle those meetings fantastic I'll, I'll put a link to how you can download that app as well in the show notes of this very episode along with links to how you can or where you can check out the engagement matters podcast where you'll be able to hear both john and my dulcet tones talking all about uh, engagement with with stakeholders so it's still very much communication skills based but john comes at it from a more how would you say it's more of a um uh engagement and, and and productivity through yes. better communication whereas mine's more about um, more confidence and effectiveness at, at oh, well i guess it's still effectiveness. Yeah. yeah it's about public speaking yeah. rambling now um but it's definitely worth checking out john's podcast if you have to deal with people at work all the time and you feel like you could actually improve the productivity of your teams and and the people that you work with as well so thanks again, John, for joining me on the show. This My was pleasure. Really, I love this topic and, and I really hope that the listeners got something out of it and they're at least inspired to start planning their meetings and taking that time. Thank you very much, Christina. Big, big thank you to John Williams from JHW Corporate Training for joining me on the show. I hope at the very least you're starting to think a little bit more about how you can get the most out of your next meeting. Yes? Show notes are at thecmethod.com slash meetings where I'll put a dot point summary of everything we spoke about. I'll also link up there where you can get the app and links to the Engagement Matters podcast that John and I have recorded as well. Now, speaking of running meetings, if this is something you do frequently and you would like to be better at it, consider applying for my Confident Leaders group coaching program. This program is for high-performing professionals and leaders who want to dramatically increase their influence, impact, and confidence at work. 
Now, it's an online course that runs for eight weeks. And during it, you'll learn how to become a trusted advisor at work, build a strong and clear professional presence and personal brand, connect powerfully with coworkers and stakeholders, be an effective leader and role model for your team, which includes running meetings effectively. You'll learn how to persuade and influence when public speaking and articulate your, yourself and your ideas clearly. Oh, and also become the obvious choice for promotion, recognition, and advancement in the eyes of your boss and management. And most of all, feel worthy of the success you want to create for yourself. It's so important. I'll be teaching in a collaborative environment and you'll be 100% supported by myself and the group. Now, the training is conducted online, so it can be done from anywhere. I don't have a starting date yet for the training, but as I take applications and have conversations with people who are interested, I will, be, I will determine when is the best starting date for all participants. So if you want to take your career to the next level and accelerate faster towards your goals, book in a discovery call with me and we'll explore if you qualify for the program. Now, as this is a small group program, it's really important that each and every participant is a good fit for the group. And because of this, I have three criteria I am looking for in you. And if we're a good fit, I will gladly tell you everything about the program. So go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching. That's thecmethod.com slash group coaching. That's C as in letter C to book in a call. You can also follow the link in the description of this podcast. So just Put your finger on the link and tap it. I think you might need to hold it down in some apps, but it'll open up that link in a a browser window. Awesome. I look forward to speaking with you. And of course, if you have any questions at all, book in a call and I'll be happy to answer them as well. And that is all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I will talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.